Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode number 29 of Guidelines, one more to 30, and really looking forward to getting into what we're going to talk about today, and I hope you found it helpful to do a bit of a gut check on loyalty. Um, That is definitely an area where I see guides break down uh, from time to time where they give up. It's like, don't give up. don't give up before you get a client, during a client, after a client. Um, it really is about you having that level of loyalty, dedication toward them and toward yourself. And that's where I want to pick up with today. And, you know, we've been doing this for a while and, and going through a number of different tools. It seems like a good time to do a little bit of an evaluation. And and I began that last time with challenging you to really consider your level of loyalty to yourself. And I'm going to get a little more specific with this uh, episode and go into, like I said, what I call a 631. And this is a process that I use with myself and I use it with clients and wanted to bring it to you as a way of doing some evaluation in terms of um, what may be holding you back, and uh, some some ways that you can move forward. And what we're talking about here um, with 631 are the six laws. Uh, and I want you to think about them in terms of, they're like gravitational laws. So if we talk about ascending, ascending a mountain, these are the laws that keep you at the same elevation. So there's six of them, and we're going to go through those. And then I want to talk about three myths because we all have a sense that we're stuck at times at certain elevations. And the three myths are the things that that I see us going to to try to gain elevation, but they just don't deliver. Lots of promise, um, but they just don't deliver. So I want to go through those three myths and then get to the one truth. And that one truth uh, is what we need to embrace in order to to grow, in order to move forward, in order to gain elevation. Um, So I encourage you as we go through this just to think about how do these show up for you? How do they apply? And would, you know, maybe even take a journal and jot down how these show up or think of specific examples and and that way you can know yourself to lead yourself. It's another way of recognizing your tendencies as they apply to these laws and these myths. Let's jump into the laws. They come in pairs. There are six of them, which means we have three pairs. And one is just the inverse of the other. Kind of like with five voices, you have you know, your superpower, and then you have your weapon system. Uh, what we're going to do as we go through these six laws is you will see how these laws combine to hold you in place. And the first two that we're going to go through are shame and pride. Shame and pride. And by the way, it's not like these are exhaustive. These are just the six that I see most often in terms of their paralytic effect on on people, myself included. Um, but shame and pride, that's the first pair that, that we're going to go through. And shame is often confused with guilt. And I was actually walking through this with a leader 
last for Friday. And sure enough, you know, when we were talking through this, he was like, you mean guilt? And I was like, no, they're, they're very different. And here's how. Guilt is a healthy response that we have when we have done something wrong. It is our conscience speaking to us and telling us that we need to right some sort of wrong. We need to take responsibility for our actions. So maybe we did something that hurt someone uh, intentionally or unintentionally. Um, Maybe we were unethical. Um, Maybe we just didn't like how we showed up. That's that's that guilt that kicks in. You're like, shoot, you know what? Um, Like my wife talked to me the other day about, you know, she said, when you said that to our friends, uh, I think this is probably what they heard, and um, I think she was right, which is why I, I I was like, "You're absolutely right. I need to, you know, take responsibility for that. It, that was not the intention." So um, that's guilt um, because I, I I absolutely um, needed to take responsibility for something. That's not shame. Shame is of a, a completely different animal. Um, guilt is something I feel when I do something wrong. Shame is what I feel when I think there's something wrong with me. Shame is that voice in our ear that is trying to convince us that there is something fundamentally broken about who we are in terms of why can't we be like that person or why can't we get our act together like that person or when will you ever figure this out or why do I keep repeating the same mistake? You know, and it's just, it keeps coming back to, there is something wrong with you. That is shame. So you hear people going into a shame spiral. And what it is, it's this, you know, it's basically a, a repeat message about how much, you know, this 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 voice is telling you that um, that you are, that there's something wrong with you. And think about it in terms of like an autoimmune disease. And Many of you probably know people, or maybe you even have an autoimmune disease. And autoimmune, if you break down the word, it basically just means um, the self is attacking the body. So if, if someone has an autoimmune disease that affects their thyroid, their body is literally attacking their thyroid. And shame is is exactly like that. It's, it's me attacking myself, um, and it's self-inflicted, um, and that's the the power of this 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 of the shame uh, cycle is that I begin to convince myself yes there is something fundamentally wrong with me I should be like other people I'm not therefore something must be wrong with me so that's that's shame and uh, just want to anchor us in that um, you know if if shame is you know in under evaluation of myself, meaning like I put a, a lower price tag on myself in terms of my valuation. Pride is the opposite. If shame is, it puts a higher price tag, it overvaluates myself. If shame is asking what's wrong with me, pride is asking what's wrong with everyone else? Why can't they get their act together? Namely, why can't they be more like me? Like, like <laughs> how long will I have to be with you? You know, how long will I have to put up with you uh, until you can finally figure it out? That's that's pride. I mean, that's just arrogance. Is that that mode that I can get into of of what's wrong with everyone else? Like, why can't they figure it out? And it's it's the the correlative, the counter of of shame. And as I'm talking through this, I think you'll notice. 
you know, this, you probably fall on one side or the other, uh, but you may fall on one side or the other, like in the course of a day. Uh, but I do notice that some people tend toward one or the other, uh, and, and they'll tend toward that self-deprecation, undervaluing themselves or with pride, overvaluating themselves. And, uh, I would ask you, which are you? Or, so there are basically three options. Do you undervalue yourself? Do you, are you susceptible to shame? Do you overvaluate yourself, pride? Or do you tend to toggle back and forth uh, throughout the course of a day, a week, a month? Notice that about yourself. And notice the the, the paralytic effect of those two. And that's true for all of these that we're going through. But it, it short circuits my ability to show up, to be present, to truly fight for my my client's highest possible good. And it's ultimately a disloyalty to myself to tie it back into the last episode. Um, but we tend to have those, those patterns in our lives where we will either um, not like the self that we've been given or we try to fabricate a self and, and stand back and think of how and, and admire how great this, this, self, um, this self is. So when it comes to... Um, you know, think about in this term, in these terms, there's a difference between living as if and as is. And with shame, I live, I live as if I'm worthless. With pride, I live as if I'm priceless, um, or I'm, uh, I've arrived. And, and ultimately where I seek to land is as is. I don't want to live as if I want to live as is. Um, and and not fabricate um, in, in either direction. Okay, so those are two biggies, and I, I see those show up uh, a lot and are in, in incredibly par- paralyzing in effect, and that's why I begin with those. The next two, um, again, they are w- one side of the same coin, two sides of the same coin, um, passivity and aggression, and... These are gravitational laws that you probably see in yourself. You see them in the people you work with, but there are those tendencies um, of being passive, which is I'm going to sit back and let these people do the work, or I'm not going to assert myself, or I'm just going to let this run its course. Um, And it's letting things happen to you. That's passivity. Uh, Aggression, very different. Uh, Aggression is I'm not going to let stuff happen to me. I'm going to take it to them. I'm going to, I'm going to take charge. And, so passivity is letting go of control, whereas aggression is is demanding control, uh, not just taking control. And so I want you to think about those for yourself and think about how those play out, passivity or aggression. And then you'll notice if you filter that through the five circles of influence, it probably shows up differently at each circle, or there's definitely a contrast. And um, obviously that ties in with support challenge, but think about it for yourself passivity and, and aggression. And, and my goal, uh, when it comes to those is the, the term I use is assertiveness. So assertiveness is, I think the balance of, um, I don't even want to balance passivity and aggression in my mind. It's on a totally different plane. It's uh, assertiveness is stems from that living as is, this is who I am and this is how I show up and this is what I bring. And I'm not going to pretend or feel bad if I can't bring, you know, other what I can't bring. This is all I got. (laughs) This is all I got. Um, and whereas assertiveness is I'm, I'm going to lean into that and, 
understand my superpowers, understand my limitations, and I'm going to go. Let's go. And and so it would encourage you to think about what's your tendency when it comes to passivity and aggression. And for the sick, the fourth, the fifth, and sixth laws, uh, numbness and distraction. Numbness is the dulling of our senses, and you know the obvious go-to's for this would be things like alcohol and other drugs that that dull the senses. And distraction is the opposite; it's the overactivation of the senses. Uh, so one is underactivation, the other is overactivation, and that plays out in a huge way in our culture. Um, when it comes down to it, both of them are just drugs. Numbness and distraction are both drugs, and the they they I mean, gosh, they're they're so close to each other, especially when you start talking about technology. Like, okay, someone's scrolling th- mindlessly through um, Snapchat or Instagram. Are they numbing themselves? Maybe. Could be totally distracting themselves, depending on whether they are uh, essentially understimulating themselves or overstimulating themselves. I think usually that's more of a numbing effect. Overstimulation or distraction, to me, I associate with like high-risk behaviors or uh, adrenaline junkies, and, and obviously within within reason, totally fine. Um, but um, those two are two extremes, but they're really, really close in, in nature. And what they're doing, they both serve to help us check out and to help us disengage. Never in the history of humanity has this been more easy, ever. Um, if you and I want to numb ourselves, gosh, I mean, I could, I could do it. I, I could be fully numb in like 10 minutes. <laughs> I mean, that's it. Uh, you know, p- pick your vice and, uh, oh, want to distract yourself? No problem. And if we are talking about trying to be instruments of change, numbness and distraction will serve only to blunt that instrument. And so I'm asking you to consider what is your tendency when it comes to numbness and distraction. And you do not want to balance these again. You don't want to balance any of these. You, the, 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 where you want to land is on a different plane. And, and, and ultimately, the plane when it comes to these two is sobriety. To have that sober, grounded mind, uh, to be able to bring yourself, your, your thoughts, um, your intuition, uh, your giftedness, your superpowers requires sobriety. And so I would encourage you to consider those two extremes and what what's your tendency when it comes to those? Okay, so I don't think probably anything I've said just now is like terribly mind-blowing. I think, you know, you as I'm going through those, I trust, like me, you can see your tendencies and and you can see how these reduce your impact. They reduce your influence. They They have this paralytic effect. Uh, of holding you back now, which means we all want to get out of that, right? Gosh, no, I want to overcome this or I want to push by this or, you know, whatever verbiage we use. And there are three myths that now I want to go through, which, which we buy into, I buy into, uh, they seduce us. They, they tell us, you know, this is the way out. This is how we're going to, we're going to overcome this. And they, they promise, uh, and do not deliver. And so it's super helpful to call them out so you can see them, see how they play out in your life 
and then talk, think about what can I do to, to actually deafen myself to these uh, seductive messages. Uh, the first one is inspiration. I touched on this in the last, um, the last episode. And what I want to do is just, I mean, inspiration is not a bad thing. It's actually a, a perfectly good thing in certain ways. But what we can do is we can look at inspiration as the way out. And inspiration is, is, a, is a fast, hot, short burn. Burns hot, burns bright, and it's over. Um, I like inspiration. I mean, I love reading biographies or watching documentaries. And it's like, wow, this is super inspiring. Um, but, I mean, if if I'm honest, if you're honest, do you do anything with it? Does it, like, actually like transform your life uh, for me it doesn't it's it's a it's not a drug it's more like infatuation um you're in love with an idea and then it, then it's gone and so uh, be aware of inspiration beware of quotes beware of pithy sayings um just just something to to, to keep in mind okay inspiration is the first myth second myth elevation um if only i could be here I'm here, but I, I know I can get higher. And if I get higher, then that will help me overcome these challenges, that, these gravitational forces that are pulling me down. Only to come come to find out, you get to that elevation and um, you know wherever you go, there you are. You've just brought everything, you know, all those challenges with you. They didn't actually, you didn't get out of anything. You didn't gain elevation at all. Um, you just gained, ele- you, you just gained the illusion. Maybe you moved up um, in income or recognition or whatever it is. So what? Um, that's, that's, that's not going to free you. I mean, how many, do they even have behind the music anymore? Is VH1 even a show anymore? They used to have behind the music and, it literally was the same plot. Like it didn't matter if you were talking about Nirvana or Genesis, the, the plot, well, I guess that would be a little, bit, <laughs> a little bit of a different twist, but the, um, you know, you'd see people, these tendencies that, that come with, if only we could get this popular, if only we could gain this much or earn this much money and it never delivers. Um, okay. I probably should reverse out of that line of thought. Last one. So we've got inspiration, elevation, and then the last one is calculation. Calculation is um, that paralysis by analysis. I'm I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to have a strategy. I'm going to have a plan. I'm going to. And usually, when I fall off of this side of the horse, it's it's out of a sense of control, and I, I insist on having control over things um, through calculation and that thinking that that will lead me out, that will help me gain elevation. It just doesn't. Um, so calculation is is a misleading, not to say we shouldn't have them, but goodness gracious, um, hold loosely to them as you move forward and 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 take them, you know, you know, as, as things come up that don't align with with your calculations, what are you gonna do about it? That's the question. All right, we've covered the six laws that hold us back, the three myths that promise that but don't deliver us. Uh, from those laws, now let's go to the one truth. And the one truth is that the only thing that will help us to actually grow is our willingness to deal with discomfort. How you and I manage our discomfort has everything to do 
with our ability to lead ourselves, to lead others, to be with others. There are all kinds of ways of managing our discomfort. And all you have to do for, for those is look back to the laws, because that's actually where we go when we feel uncomfortable. If you feel uncomfortable, hey, you get aggressive or you get passive. You feel uncomfortable, you get you numb yourself. Um, you get it, right? So you go back to those laws as a way of maintaining that. The answer is to persist in discomfort. And that's a choice that we have to enter into. And yet our tendency, my tendency is to inhabit my comfort zone. You, wherever you are right now, you probably have a thermostat somewhere um, and, or you will be, because we all mostly live in some sort of climate controlled situation. And the job of a thermostat is quite simply, you know, if it gets too warm, kick on the AC, if it gets too cold, you kick on the heat. But we all have our own internal thermostat. And what I'm challenging you to do, if you really want to grow, is develop your capacity for discomfort. And I don't know, maybe I'm just a glutton for, for it, but <laughs> I feel I, I set up situations. I don't know. I experience this a lot and I trust a lot of you do where you're like, I have no idea what I'm going to do here. And it feels uncomfortable. It feels like this unknown. And those are the moments where I actually feel like I am bringing my best, where I'm testing that outer boundary. And I liken it to a lot of the research coming out about what's good for our bodies. So for example, short-term exposure to cold is really good for your body. Like cold showers are really good for your body. Short-term exposure to heat is really good for your body. These extremes are, are healthy. Um, the research that's coming out about, you know, short-term fasting. Um, and, you know, obviously, please don't take my advice and run out and do those things at all. Um, so maybe, <laughs> I don't know if I can say that louder or include it in the show notes, but you know, the fact is, is that the research out there is, is pretty incredible about what happens when we test those boundaries of our comfort. Same is true for the work that we do as giants. We bring our best work when we test the outer edges of our comfort zone. Notice I said test, I didn't say stay there. And what I would encourage you to do is get into a habit rather than staying in your comfort zone, test yourself and then rest, get into that test and rest rhythm. And you will find you have so much more to bring to yourself and to the people you serve, um, personally and professionally. Uh, but it begins with being willing, seeking out opportunities to feel uncomfortable and that can play out in all kinds of different ways. And when you feel that tendency to bristle at discomfort, what I'm challenging you to do is actually lean into it. So those that's the six, three, one, the six laws, the three myths, and the one truth. Anything other than that one truth, in my mind, is, is just nothing but my own shenanigans, my own thinking that I'm going to find a different way, a better way to avoid discomfort. And the way that plays out is I will invariably hurt the people I love most if, if I don't manage my discomfort, if I don't actually lean into my discomfort rather than displacing it on other people and on myself. 
So that's my encouragement. You know, here we are, we're trying to encourage everyone else to, that we work with to be the healthiest person in the room. And that's why I thought this would be a good time in the course of guidelines for a bit of a gut check, for you to check in with yourself. Are you doing what it takes? Are you doing the work um, to be the healthiest person in the room? And, and that begins with, with your ability to, to really lean into that discomfort and, and rather than shy away from that. Um, bring the kind of courage to your clients that you want to see in them. Okay, hopefully you found that helpful. Tease it out, journal about it, write about it, talk with someone about it, um, post it if you want to on Slack. Uh, what are you thinking about? How does this resonate with you? And, and, and really do the work to translate that into life. And you'll be so glad that you did. Uh, you owe it to yourself. Um, you owe it to yourself first and foremost, and you owe it to your loved ones. You owe it to the people that you serve um, to have that kind of courage. Okay. Until next time, uh, thanks for tuning in. Really glad uh, to hear from so many of you that, that you're getting value out of this. And um, it's great to be part of this community. All right. Until then, take care, everyone. <laughs>